Greetings, this is Jason Hill, and this is the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio, 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM in Chicago. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Mike Sher, Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap. It's Saturday, August 1st, 2020. Jay, you there? How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing well. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, hi everyone. Just so everyone knows, I'm in uh, the foothills of the Rocky Mountains in, uh, I don't know, someplace outside of Denver. And Jason's at home, right? In Elgin? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm in Chicago right now. Oh, you're in Chicago now? Oh. Cool. Mm, this week, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Near, the, near the, the beaches of Lake Michigan, which of course people can't go to. But... Well, they're, you know, they're filthy petri dishes. They always were. <laughs> I'm sounding like a curmudgeon. On a north, which I used to swim, which, which, which I used to swim in. I used to swim in three times a week. Yeah. No, because I'm because I'm not a germophobia, knowing that they were always nasty and dirty. But lakes yeah. are dirt. Lakes are dirty by nature, and I love them. <laughs> Excellent. Well, cool, man. Well, good to see you, man. Thank you. Uh, I am on a cross-country motorcycle journey, which has been remarkable. You Are know. you really? I didn't know that. You with yeah. a bunch of pe- you with a bunch of people. No, no, no. Well, I'm I'm picking up some folks today in Denver, but I'm uh, and I met them last night. But I rode from Chicago to Denver via the back roads, and literally through Trump's America. You know, wow. and and it's remarkable to experience uh, rural America this way. You know, because mm-hmm. you stop in diners. You, you don't eat at a fast food place. You stop in diners and. Mm-hmm. You stop in gas stations, and you know, I, I had this guy. Uh, I'm I'm stopped in Sterling. I think it's Sterling, Colorado. Okay, which mm-hmm. is 120 miles outside of Denver. It's just a, you know, flat mesa, sun baked. You know, and uh, this guy comes up to me. He's got a Vietnam veteran's hat on, and he's an old dude. He's probably in his late 70s. You know, and he walks up to me, and he's got this southern accent. He goes so. And I'm wearing my motorcycle stuff. I got a pair of camel pants on and a black T-shirt, you know. Uh, let me ask you a question. What political party do you belong to? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not a Democrat. So that's good. You know, <laughs> he, did, he started going. He was from Vicksburg, Tennessee. Mm. Not, no, Vicksburg, Mississippi. Mississippi, yeah. Right, right. So it was, uh, he was an interesting guy, but a good guy. You know, Vietnam veteran and, yeah. you know. But one of the things I'm really present to is uh, this this whole COVID thing, this whole divide around the uh, the country is everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's impacting everyone. Yeah, throughout Nebraska, and it's different every place in Nebraska. It's, it just was. It's fascinating to see. I'm going to be I'm going to be up and go through Wyoming and South Dakota today, so it's going to be interesting to see there. Yeah. Yeah. So, how about you, man? How's your week been? It's been it's been very very hectic. I mean, I've been you know just uh, working on this new book that uh, yeah. that that's coming out in March and um, on racial justice since 1964. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether white you know what do white white Americans or black Americans? Um, yeah, that book. And I've been working on um, my my column. Uh, just lots of writing. Um, yeah, and. Um, my podcast and just a lot of writing just taking it because I go back to school and you know I start teaching again in the fall 
Yeah. And uh, that's just, that's going to be very, very challenging. So I've just been doing, I've been like a writing machine. I've just been, I've been like a recluse. I'm, I'm shopping a lot on Amazon. <laughs> but like, I bought a new, like for gadgets, like I bought a new yeah. vacuum. I bought a ton of books. I bought an adapter for my computer. I just uh, stuffed the download files. I love gadgets. Keep, keep making uh, Jeff Bezos more money. Did you see? Two weeks ago, he made thirteen billion dollars in one day. Yeah, that's that's remarkable. That's a well, lot of money. That's a lot of money. But you know what? We made him rich. I know. No, yeah. I know. Uh, he he's he's well. You know, I think that there, I think that there are sources of wealth that benefit us. It's mutual advantage, mutual value for mutual advantage. And I think I think Bezos is someone who's who's done provided people with a lot of goods and services that they really, really need. I mean, well, we'll have to have a show dedicated to that because I may have a counter position on that. You know? Well, well, you could, you could talk about it right now. Well, no, I, I just, I just think the, the whole idea of Amazon is an interesting one yeah. and it, it plays into the, <clears throat> the idea of our addiction to comfort and convenience as a culture mm -hmm. and, and the impact that's had on us, right? Mm -hmm. And the impact that's had on small business, the impact, mm -hmm. I mean, he decimated bookstores when Amazon came out. It was the yeah. end of bookstores, you know? So yes, a lot of people, and, and during his shutdown and everything, he's benefited tremendously, and there's a lot of people who took advantage of it. Um, I, I, I buy most of my books on Amazon, and I buy a lot of books, I buy, yeah two or three books a month, but that's about all I buy on it. And mm -hmm. I just, I, I'm concerned that Amazon to me is just, it, it, it just is more of our attention on comfort and convenience. And it takes away from engagement in life, mm -hmm. you know, and it takes away from the experience of, of going to markets and meeting people and looking at stuff. And, and you know, I, I, I just, there's, there's a, an absence of, for lack of a better word, soul to it for me, yeah. that concerns me. And listen, sometimes you need to get stuff and you can get it from overnight, you know, it, right. it's, it's, it's fantastic. I, I worked on a project a long time ago, uh, with Caterpillar Tractor, Caterpillar Tractors that, uh, created this Caterpillar logistics system that could deliver a part to anywhere in the world overnight. It was remarkable, you know? I mean, if you think about it, if you're in Dubai, okay, and your your tractor breaks down in a construction project, you know, your bulldozer breaks down in a construction project, Caterpillar could get whatever you needed, a fuel pump or whatever, to you the next day from mm -hmm. Mossville, from Mossville, Illinois. And it was a remarkable system. And that's kind of what the platform was that, that Bezos started and, and actually built on. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's taken into all kinds of different stuff. So, and it's also, as we get into the this whole supply chain thing, right, and where we're getting products and, and, and goods and services, what I think has happened with, it, it started with Caterpillar, but it also is especially with, with uh, Amazon. I think we put an overemphasis on the logistics and an underemphasis on the source and the product. Yeah. And I'm not sure that's a good thing. You know, yeah, and, and and Amazon's got you know it's got its own brands now, and it's you know it's it, it's it's so powerful, mm -hmm. and, and if anyone tries to compete with them, they just buy them. So, 
I, I just I, I just wonder, and, and, it, it, and, and there's an adapting that we have to do when, because you know stuff's always changing. Mm-hmm. But but there's just a concern for me. Is is it has it really made our lives better? That that's the question I have. I, I don't know. Well, it certainly made our lives more convenient, and it certainly yeah. has it ha- it certainly has allowed us freed us up the time that we would normally spend. Uh, doing uh, uh, certain tasks, it has freed us up to do other things. Now, how we spend that time, whether we spend it just as couch potatoes or whether we spend it, you know, doing like the time I would spend rushing to Home Depot to get a vac a vacuum that I can get a lot cheaper on Amazon. No, there, I, there's no doubt. And, and listen, you're you're a highly productive human, and I get it. You know, and it's 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 just not a, a it's not so much a criticism as as what you you know you brought up the point. How do we use that time? Because it is yeah. a gift. It can be a gift, you know. And how does how does Jeff Bezos use his wealth? Is he using it to forward all of the the world? Is he using it to make the world a better place, or is he just hoarding it and, and trying to manage and control others? I don't know. These yeah. are, these are these are really the the questions I think are. You know, if someone would have brought these up, you know, two years ago, they would have thought you were a nut. But I think right now with what's going on, these are questions that really need to be looked at because fundamentally it's, it's about self-awareness, you know, and it's about who we are as a people and what we want to create as a culture. And, and when it, the problem with convenience is you can go on autopilot so easily, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that, that's just, but that's do just, you, let me, let me ask you yeah. one more question. Do you think that Jeb, Jeff, Jeff, that Amazon really sort of decimated communities or were communities becoming obsolete and in decline and that Amazon just sort of, and I don't want to use in a, like the terms like in a predator way, but Amazon sort of just uh, took advantage of uh, a phenomenon that was already there, which is the obsolescence you know, of communities. I, you know what? That's a great question. I think one of the things happens is we get before comfort and convenience, there's complacency. Right. Yeah. Right. There, there's the absence of continuous improvement. There's, there's just sitting on your laurels or, Hey, listen, we got this made that that's the flip side of it. Amazon is a disruptor. So he's not going to yeah. allow that to happen. So no, no, I listen, I'm not anti Amazon. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just not, I just don't worship them as a God. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. And, and I really, and I just don't want them to be the sole solution to everything. And that's a mm-hmm. good point. I think what happened, there were a lot of companies that were sitting on their butts that were just, you know, wreaking the wars. After the 90s, you know, everybody was a money-making machine. And not only that, you know, there was that whole thing going on in corporate America where what was the reason the corporation existed was to generate shareholder wealth only, you know? Yeah, right. That's just a take on the whole Walmart thing yeah. and, and, and kind of what's going on. So, yeah. not Walmart. Uh, Amazon, Amazon yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who, you know... You know, and before Amazon, Walmart was doing the same thing. Right. You know, I mean, Walmart would go into small towns and just decimate all small business. And they did exactly what you did. They they created a better, you know, a better option for people, mm-hmm. you know. But then, too, many of their products come from China. So Right, right. You know, right. so. In, in, inferior, bad, toxic, poisonous products. You don't, want your, you don't want your children. You don't want your children licking those products, <laughs> unless you, you know, unless unless your attitude is like she's just two. We can make another one, you know. Oh my god, dude! Let her, let yeah. her die. Let her die. You know. 
should oh get a little bit of God. some mercury, some lead in her system, you know. Yeah, but what, what's that? Yeah, what's yeah. that? You know, she's, we can make another one. Let her die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, each other. I mean, those products are. I mean, I've been to China. I've spent yeah, as as you've been right. No, I've never been to China. I've been, no. Yeah, I bought a lot of goods there. They were like pieces of crap. Yeah, yeah. I I I, uh, I know people have gone quite a bit. Um, I've never been there. I, I never wanted to go. Where I want to go is Taiwan. That's where mm-hmm. I want to go. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I want to I want to touch a little bit on today. The uh, the, the incredible divide that I see existing in the country mm-hmm. and would love to get your take on it. Cause my guess is with all the writing you're doing and the reading you're doing yeah. and, and being professional philosopher, um, you're going to have a pretty unique and pretty uh, as close to objective perspective as just about anyone I know. So mm-hmm. I would love to hear what you think is going on or what you think uh, what going on well right well you know what 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 i think is happening is that people have there's a term in philosophy that we use called reify i mean they're they're sort of in a way they have they have become so attached to their political beliefs i've lived yeah. in this country for 35 years and i've never seen people make their political beliefs so much constitutive yeah. of their personal identities yeah usually it'd be, it'd be your moral beliefs like your values your principles yeah. and then you'd have your political beliefs and your political beliefs and your values would be a small and you know, a part of who you are you know people, yeah. say, people say like i'm a uh you know a country club republican or yeah. you know i'm a, a straight down democrat or I, I i flip sometimes or you know but never have i seen people who intransigently implacably hold political beliefs as Mm -hmm. a defining characteristic of who they are as people yeah and i think that is because for a number of reasons people have come to see their existence as being fundamentally threatened by political actors and political institutions Mm -hmm. so for good or bad people i think and have configured the political systems that govern our lives yeah. as as being altered in certain ways that are detrimental to their to the values that secure their existence. Yeah. So they become they become more suspicious of politics, of politicians, of the very yeah. political institutions that secure their freedoms or their way of life. And so they become more sort of like they they occupy a more siege mentality. Yeah. And and this siege mentality refuses for them to yield like take COVID, you know, where the, t- mm-hmm. the governor of Texas has said the most, I mean, whatever one feels about COVID, he says, you know, he tested positive and he goes, and I probably got it because I wore a mask. Now, I don't think anyone gets COVID from wearing a mask. That was, that was Louis Goldberg. That was a congressman, not the governor. Did you say, yeah, Louis Goldberg, yeah, he said that. Well, go, Goldberg, yeah, not, not, you're right, yeah. congressman, I'm sorry, yeah. 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 Right, so you, can, you yeah. can, we can we can debate, reasonable people can have reasonable debates, I think, about um, the effectiveness of the mask. I think yeah. they're pretty effective. I think I've been, I've been following, I, I think I'm no convinced that they're effective, but I'm still willing to talk. But to say that I got it because I wore a mask just, just shows you. 
it shows you the level of intransigence that people have about the, the ideas that they hold and how they politicize. A, this virus has no political identity, but yeah. how they will they will supplant a political ideology onto a phenomenon because it secures something truly fundamental about who they take themselves to be. Yeah. Well, you said something interesting. You used the word reasonable. And I see there's there's kind of an absence of reasonability, right? Yeah. People just aren't being reasonable. They're they're and, and what I see is a tremendous amount of fear. Yeah. And and fear in every way, you know? Like afraid to make a mistake, afraid to make a decision. It, it's it's the oddest thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Afraid to afraid to talk to somebody. You know, yeah. uh, afraid to share themselves. I, I think that's, I think that's dangerous. You know, part of part of what makes us great as a nation is our ability to, to share ideas, even divergent ideas. You know, right, right. And it 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 seems like that's not uh, a good idea anymore. You know. Well, we've talked about this where the the predominance of feelings. As opposed yeah. to the, as opposed to scaffolding your, <laughs> scaffolding your your viewpoint with with reasons, with evidence, yeah. you know, with uh, with 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 argumentation, which used to be the norm, has yeah. been replaced with just well, this is how you know, this is how your argument is making me feel. Well, how yeah. about how about engaging with the argument itself, as opposed to showcasing. Because quite frankly, I'm not always interested in how my argument has made you feel. I'm interested in whether my, <laughs> my I'm interested in whether my argument has some semblance of truth to it, and whether you're in, willing to engage it with counter evidence. Yeah. So we become like babies. We become, it's, you know, Jonathan Haidt is right in his in his book, the the coddling of the American coddling mind. Coddling of the American mind. Yeah. We've become we've become in we've be, we're we're now we're no longer the sort of really strong Americans who. And stand up and feel like and say, I have I have a democratic right to be offended. And so what? I'm not gonna be paralyzed by your position. I'm gonna well, I'm gonna marshal a counter, a rejoinder, and and we're gonna we're gonna argue it out. Well, and, and this is part of the thing that I, I that we discussed last week a little bit and part of a conversation that I had uh, in the week that is gonna give me an excellent project to work on is there's been this uh, thwarting or muting of kind of an alpha male perspective. You know, we, men in particular have, have, you know, women by nature are going to put a lot of emphasis on feeling. It's kind of the nature of what women are. And it's a great counterbalance to men's logic and reasoning and almost absence of feeling to create an environment that could work for everyone, right? But what's happened is we've seen so many men, you know, become these little betas that are just furry women. And, and they don't have, uh, you know, they're letting their feelings run the show as opposed to work through the feelings. You know, that vitality you speak of, that resilience that, that men have, you know, the, the ability to work through a problem, to work through a struggle, to mm -hmm. overcome an obstacle, you know, to overcome a problem that that's no longer it not only does it not exist but it's not valued anymore. right you know i i hear these arguments and if so if i have an obstacle the 
the feelings-based argument is it's your responsibility to re remove my obstacle. Right. That's just insanity. Isn't it? Yeah. It's insanity. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 but, but I think this, I think this really all started from, well, not started, but a lot of it has to do with the bad effects of a kind of identity politics that emerged yeah. out of the 1960s yeah. with stand, with what we, you know, with standpoint experience where eyes are, you know, if I'm a Chicano lesbian or I'm a black separatist or I'm a, you yeah. know, a working class uh, white woman from Appalachia, whatever, whatever your little experience, lived experiences, you you possibly can't through your faculty of reason understand my experience. And yeah. so that leads to kind of narcissism and that leads to a kind yes. of is uh, isolationism. And that's what the universe tribalism. And tribalism, yeah. and that's what the universes have turned into, balkanization of of disciplines that were once disciplines into you know, positions of just advocacy and standpoint experience. And that's what you see manifest itself in the street, yeah. Mike, why people can't really talk to each other anymore because it's just, you hurt my feelings. My feelings are paramount. Yeah. There used to be a time where people say, who cares about you? Keep your feelings to yourself. All that really matters are the facts. Let's get the facts straight. Yeah. And this is really, you know, this is why when people pew pew on the universities, I say be very careful because what's what's brewing in the laboratories of the universities today, you'll see applied in the streets 20 years from now. Yeah. Because yeah. when those professors get hold of those little minds in the classrooms and indoctrinate them and tell them that your feelings are what matter, reason, logic, and argumentation are old fashioned. You don't even have to wait a generation to see the application in the street. So, the, and the and you're right. The alpha male gets gets term gets construed as a, you know the white racist imperialist. Exactly. Um, and you know what? Do you know where I see it happening? Or I, I've seen this happen to several guys I know that are powerful, uh, successful, brilliant men that either run businesses or started businesses and created them. And they have daughters and the daughters go off to college and get indoctrinated. And then they come back and they start sharing with their dads how their dads are, uh, you know, privileged white men who are abusing the culture and abusing the world and blah, blah, blah. Right. And, and what is the Achilles heel of almost all men, their children, but particularly their daughters. So they start questioning themselves. And here are these daughters that are going off to college and that are driving a BMW to school, right? And they're coming back home and actually attacking the, oh, it's time to take a break. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and they're attacking the goose that laid the golden egg for them. And, and I think right. that's where the, that's the beginning of the breakdown. Jason Hill here, and I want to let you know that you're listening to the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio. Tune in live from 1590 AM and 95.9 FM, the Smart Talk app. Tune in or wcgoradio.com. The podcast is available from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Find it, rate it, and subscribe. If you'd like to get in touch about the show or inquire about sponsorship opportunities and rates, please reach out to my co-host Mike at MikeShrek at gmail.com. Dallas Cowboy Hall of Fame coach Tom Landry once said, a coach is someone who has you see what you don't want to see and has you hear what you don't want to hear so you can always be the person you knew yourself to be. Hello, 
I'm Mike Sherrick, founder and president of the Mike Sherrick Group and Mike Sherrick Coaching. We are an executive coaching and leadership development organization with offices in Berwyn, Illinois and Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Successful organizations begin with the self-awareness and authenticity of its leaders. And in today's world, we are all leaders. If you or your organization has a big vision, or you know there's another level you can go to, please give us a call at 630-643-6336. If you're one of the first three people who call us today, you will be eligible for a free IMX leadership assessment and debrief, a $550 value free to you and your organization. So give us a call at 630-643-6336 and take it on. We're back. <laughs> oh, hey, welcome back. We're just laughing off. Oh, my goodness. This is Mike and Jay. This is Into the Gap. Again, we're struggling with the uh, the technology because we're both not here. And making a joke about, I, I'm, I'm riding my motorcycle throughout. It, it, it's been remarkable. I, I've ridden a 1,085 miles and not one drop of rain on me, which never happens, right? And uh, I'm, I'm getting pretty sunburned. So one of my part of my white privilege is the ability to, to get skin cancer, which I've had three times. I'm looking forward to. I'm sure we'll get it one more time. But yeah, that's really yeah. beautiful. What the, an idiot. The, yeah, the rays are going to get you. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. You can't get out of it. When you're on a motorcycle, man, you're just like wide open. You're in the elements. That's one of the great things about it, though, because you're like in the space you're riding it's not you're yeah. inside a car you know right. and so you can smell stuff and you see stuff and you hear stuff and you see animals i saw wild turkeys yesterday mm. you know little baby ones yeah and like with the wild turkey mom and like little baby wild turkeys and uh yeah and when you it's drive not... through go ahead no 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 go ahead no. oh I, I was just saying when you drive you know you're, you're driving through and there's all these ranches and out west here you know mm-hmm. and then there's also these places where all these cattle come and they they've got them corralled i don't know if they're going to market or what they are but there is a smell of corralled cattle mm-hmm. that is unlike anything else in the world my friend and you can smell it for miles it is not good you know i like smells i do too but not of like corralled cattle not like <laughs> thousands of heads of cattle it's pretty wrong but uh, yeah yeah so that's what we're missing in the urban centers, right? I mean, that's going back to Amazon. I mean, it's that kind yeah. of, it's that kind of interaction and that kind of the vitality that you experience with your body cannot be yeah. had with just speaking to someone who uses Amazon a lot. Yeah. Just press pressing a button, tracking your order, seeing that the order is four stops away, uh, instead of getting off your butt and going to the bookstore or going to Ace Hardware store, um, yeah. you know to to get your stuff um that i think so i'm not i'm not you know going back to the conversation i think there is we have to admit that with every so-called advancement and inconvenience there is a tremendous loss not just to human community but there's a loss to our own vitality there's a loss our subjectivity there's a there's a there's an absence there's a that can't be possibly restored Um, yeah and, and there's also what I'm seeing too, Jay, and it's really, this has been really eye-opening as I've been writing. Um, there's a way of living. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a way of living we live in the cities, you know? The, the, the thing that has to occur, the, you know, the public transportation, the traffic, all of that, you know? That's yeah. so very normal there. And then there's a way of living when you're not in the cities. Yeah. That's completely different, right? Yes. And, and so, um, 
it seems to me that the people who don't live in the city have a problem with the people who do live in the city and the people who do live in the city have a problem with the people that don't live in the city. Mm. So why would it matter to me who doesn't live in the city, how people in the city live, you know? And the only thing that matters to me is I, I don't like the violence. I don't like the shootings. And I, you know, that's the part that bothers me, you know? Yeah. And, and the truth is I like going to the city, you know, three or four times a year. I love going to the theater or to a really good restaurant or to all that, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my expectation is I can do it unimpeded, you know? Yeah. And so I think we've got to come to this place where we can live one way, but allow the others, because that's really what American is, allow the others to live the way they want to and, and, and allow them to value what they value and I can value what I value and we can find a way of kind of uh, coexisting. Minimum, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm concerned that there's no point of intersection. And without a point of intersection, uh, we're going to make the error of thinking that one could exist without the other. That's right. You know? That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I think, again, it comes back to this thing of just like, you know, you live in your curated, hermetically sealed little silo, and you yeah. think, so one of the crises that I think we suffer from is like the absence of moral imagination. Speaking of someone who's lived in small towns, rural small towns, and someone who's lived in cities in the 35 years I've been here. And there's something about this way that we're living now where we think that the experience that I have is, is, to, be, is to be almost worshipped. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the best one I could have. There's a way in which we just don't, we're, it's like, you know what we're drifting into? We're drifting into a kind of misanthropy mm. where uh, it's disguised. But when the moment that you think that you can't learn from your fellow human beings, and it started yeah. with technology, with plugging in these yeah. things into our ears on airplanes where we don't want to talk to our fellow human being. Yeah. Because that that is a very genuflective moment when you talk to your fellow human being on a, as a stranger and you learn something from that person. Yeah. And, and that person, regardless of background, shares that his or her narrative with you. And you take a little piece of that person with you. And yeah. that person's experience becomes part of your learning domain. Whether you, It's part of your continued socialization as a human being in the world. Yeah. That's gone. That's gone. And, and the problem and the problem, Mike, is that we just think that we have nothing to learn from anybody else, that it's a kind of narcissism run amok, that my experience yeah. and my, my standpoint position is, is, is the one I'm going to operate from. And that's why, you know, we, we, we're like petulant children who, who stomp in with indignation when we're challenged. Because yeah. it's like, my how dare you challenge my feelings, my experience? Well, who gives a rat's ass about your feelings and your experience sometimes? Sometimes they need to be challenged. Well, and, and Jay, what you're talking about is this, this kind of isolation and tribalization that's going on. And then when that position becomes one of a victim, yes, it becomes even more insidious. Exactly. And, and there's no solution to it. And, and, and that's what I'm seeing now with all the the demonstrations it's listen i'm fine with protests i have no problem if you've got a problem let me know let's talk about it but don't just attack things and tear things down without having an idea of what can replace it right because otherwise it's just anarchy you know 
Right. It just it's just chaos and it makes no sense. Like I, for the life of me, I have no idea what's going on in Seattle in Portland. Portland, nobody does. It's a it's mess. It's a mess. Yeah. Like what is really going on? Why is it going on? Like what's what's the message behind it? Other than tr- Trump is bad and America is racist and which maybe you know I'll give you maybe. But it's gone on for a long time. And before Trump, we had a black president. So I don't know how an institutionally racist country can elect a black man to be the president of the country. But even, but even grant the position, their full, their full rectitude, say that that's true. What, yeah. what, what is to be had by indiscriminately and wantonly tearing down the statues of yeah. slave home owners and the statues of a abolitionists in Madison, e- absolutely, yeah. With 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 equal uh, with equal aplomb, no discrimination. Yeah. It's yeah. not that's 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 the definition of nihilism right there. Yeah, and and that's non-discrimination being practiced. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of like what's at the and I've written about this. What's at the heart of these vandalists and these looters is nihilism. Tear down the system, replace it with what we don't know yet. We'll figure it out after the system is that's the voice of an anarchist what does nihilism actually mean nihilism is nihilism is the destruction of values with for the sake of the destruction a that's one definition or the destruction of values uh with no intention of replacing any of those values with any alternative values so you got to be careful you're starting to sound like uh what's a a jordan jordan peterson now right well he's right he's right in that respect That, that's what right. that's what he was talking about. Is there's there's just been this attack on things and values for other than it doesn't make me feel good. And I think one of the things I'm concerned about when you start attacking values because it doesn't make you feel good, what it is, it, it it's not it's holding people accountable and not allowing them to be indulgent. And if that's what we created in the last two generations, then we've got a big problem. Mm-hmm. You know. Because if what it is, it's it, that's like having people have chocolate Sundays for dinner every night mm-hmm. because that's what I want. That that just cannot work. No, it's insane. It's insanity. Yeah. And and it, I I I don't know how we put the genie back in the bottle. You know, is there a point of intersection where we can start working to come together? Is there is there a way to? Um, fully understand what the protesters want or these people who are, uh, you know, uh, tearing the system down. It, 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 is it, because my concern is there is, there's no bottom to the well. That right. if you give them one thing, they're just going to want more, you know? Right. Right. So, so what does it become? Does it become a boundary issue where you just set boundaries and you can't go there anymore? Does it become? Is it? Is it become that type of structure? I, I I'm not sure. Um, well, yeah. Well, I yeah. I think you have to look at the sort of the most reasonable um, voice within those factions that are talking, mm-hmm. like the for example, and 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 you respect those. So the Minneapolis should never have dismantled the police. That was a horrible mistake. Crime rate has gone up exponentially. Oh my God, yeah. Right. So this whole notion of defunding the police, dismantling the police is a horrific, horrible idea. Yeah. Uh, cities have caved into it. 
So, you know, it's kind of like you don't capitulate to craziness. You don't capitulate to ideals whose consequences are going to result in carnage and the destruction of the very values that the people themselves are, the looters and the rioters, yeah. the demonstrators themselves need to uphold in their lives, right? Yeah. Um, and so we've got to get back to a system of rationality, of reason, of common sense, old-fashioned American common sense of, of the things that work and make reforms where we know to where we know we need to make reforms mm-hmm. uh, and not operate from a sense of guilt. We've got to get over yeah. this thing of guilt and shame. Yeah. Those are not premises yeah. or emotions out of which, you know, I think we got about 30 seconds left. Yeah, but, um, we got to, I can hear the break kind of, no, you're right, because it's, uh, uh, if you're coming from guilt and shame, it's not empowered, you can't see opportunity, you can't see a pathway. So right. why don't we come back in uh, a couple minutes and we'll start talking about, you know, what are some ways we can go and, and how to, and first I think, how do we deal with the, this shame and guilt that's been thrust upon us, you know? Yeah, and that was start me up by the Rolling Stones. That was awesome, Nancy. <laughs> which I just, which I just downloaded last. Another version I downloaded last week. I've got like three live versions of that song. Do you really? Mm-hmm. That's, plus, uh, the, plus the original. Yeah, it's not my favorite Stone song, but it's iconic. And when you you just hear the first two notes, you know exactly what it is. You know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's it, it's it, it's it's you know I think they I think they totally wrote that song so they could sell it for commercial. They make millions of dollars on that song. Because yeah. how many commercials use it and how many everybody uses it. You know? everybody, so, it's a, yeah, it's a great song. Mick Jagger's a brilliant businessman. You know, he's a, you know, he's a graduate of the London School of Economics. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Well. <laughs> the guy's a happy hitter there. Yeah. So, yeah. So we were, we were talking about, you know, you had mentioned that, uh, you know, that for, for, for this to, to, to bring us back together as a culture, as a, as a, a, a United States, um, we're going to have to overcome the guilt and shame. And I think one of the things that's going on, so much of what the news media does and what the overall narrative is, is, is to really make us feel guilty and shameful for who we are, for the success we've enjoyed, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I agree with you, Jay. I, I think... You know, I, I was thinking, I was trying to think of a, a way to to deal with that, but I'd love to hear your take on it and, and you know, have a conversation about, you know, how do you deal with guilt and shame? Well, one of the reasons, one of the ways I think is to, is to be truthful, is to say, yeah. look, there, there are, there are, there are a group, there are groups of people who have been marginalized, who've been kept out of what I call the domain of the ethical. And it's just, it's messed up. It's been messed yeah. up. And, and yeah. we got to do better by these people. And by these people I'm talking about, historically, these have been, you know, women, blacks, gays, right? And, and history has not always been kind to them. But however, if you look, and I, this is where I really, really have a problem with people on the far left, speaking as an independent conservative, yeah. things have gotten better, for God's sake. In 2015, we had the marital, marital act where gays can get married and lesbians can get married, right? Uh, women yeah. enjoy equality before the law. Things have gotten better for blacks. Um, but we've, so we've got to just like fess up and not act as if uh, we'll, 
we can't be like the far left and act like we're still living in Mississippi circa 1950. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that's not the case, right? And anybody who thinks that there's still colored only water fountains or black people right. can't go into a movie theater, they need to find out the real difference between 2020 and Mississippi right. circa 1951. Yeah. So we we, we had we admit that you know there's still that there's still ways in which people are who, who, who still feel grievances and assaults against their dignity and that happens that there's still people who are doing stupid things. Yeah. And then we realize what what are the ideals of this this great republic of ours that we that we have always aspired to, and um, and we hold fast to those, Mike. And if there are people yeah. in this world who think that those ideals by their nature are racist, exclusionary, we say to hell with you. Leave America. I'm sorry. You know, equality, um, a freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, yeah. religious expression, freedom of bodily integrity, all the base, all the basic ideals that the ideals are already there. It's just that we never apply them to all persons. Yeah. yeah. So we don't need to do really anything differently. Those ideals are enshrined in our yeah. constitution. We just need to apply them universally and to all persons and to make sure that nobody gets excluded from the yeah. domain of the ethical, right? That's what we need to do. We need a, yeah. consistent, yes. a consistent application of what already exists and to make well, institutions. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. I love what you're saying because what you're, what you're pointing to is a work in process, right? Yeah. There, 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 we have not achieved nirvana yet. We have not achieved the perfect state. We have not. That's the whole idea of creating a more perfect union. It's not perfect to begin with. Right. It's a continuous work in process. It's a continuous improvement. It's, it's done through communication. Mm -hmm. it, it's done through the shifting of power. It's done through the through raising voice to those who don't have voice. Yeah. You know? It's done through inclusion. You know, and, and that's how it happens. And it's not, it's not tear the whole thing down. That, what, what I see is going on. It's like someone's building a house, this beautiful house, right? And it's about 70% complete. And they're pissed off because it's not done. Mm -hmm. And instead of waiting for it to be completed, they're just going to get, you know, just, just going to start complaining about it. Yeah. You know, I just rehabbed my rental house out in uh, DeKalb, right? And rehabbed the kitchen. And the way they did it, you know, they were about 70% complete. And I'm like, this is god-awful. And I was asking questions. I wasn't stirring up, but I was really uncomfortable with how it went. When it got done, it blew me away. Mm -hmm. It was better than I could expect, right? Because I couldn't see how all the parts came together. And yeah. I'm, I'm fast out of construction, right? But I couldn't see it. I'm like, I was really concerned. I thought, oh, this isn't going to go well. Yeah. It, it's absolutely fabulous. The kitchen is a, it, it's a beautiful kitchen. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's the same thing with our country. You know, we're going to go through these ebbs and flows. We're going to go through times when it works for a lot. And there's going to be other times where we identify the gaps. And you got you got to work through them. And if you're addicted to your feelings, you know, you're going to get scared and you're going to make a lot of noise. And that's, yes. I think, what's going on, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah, I, but, yeah. I also think that when people import false values into this country's mm -hmm. uh, political DNA, we need to call them on it. 
And what do I mean by that? I mean, yeah. we're, 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 we're heading into a direction, for example, like socialism, where people talk yeah. about, I know this is a big buzzword, but uh, economic equality. We need to remind people, first of all, when there's collusion between the government and big business, that's a breach of free enterprise. And whether it's, you know, preferential, I've talked about this on the show, preferential yeah. treatment or uh, big corporations, uh, yeah. preferential, I call it affirmative action for rich people, whether it's happening in the form <laughs> of, of, of bailouts, that's that's wrong, right? Yeah. But when people talk about economic equality, this country is founded on the principles of political equality. Yeah. Short of a bloated totalitarian socialistic state, there can never be anything given the divergence of talents, of, 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 of intelligence among people. Yeah. Even within homogenous groups, there can be no such thing as economic equality. Has there, so ever, have, has there ever been a place on earth where there was economic equality? Not even Soviet Russia. No, because biggest, there, the biggest there's a ruling class. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Not even China. No. Right. No. no China's the worst. Yeah. China's, China's got a growing middle class. They've got a, a large ruling class and they've got a just enormous, don't they have enormous poverty and, and like, you know, just. Well, it's, it's capitalism that lifted 350 million people out of poverty in China. You know, what yeah. their version of capitalism. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, the point is really the, that I wanted to make is that we have, we, have, we, we have certain values that people have pinned. Millions of immigrants and millions of homegrown Americans have pinned their aspirational identities to that have yeah. worked, that have made this country an exceptional and great country. Yeah. We need to resurrect those countries, those, those values. Stop apologizing for them. Get yeah. back to them to the basics of of, of what those values are. Um, uh, either one of two things: try to convince the people who are against them um, that um, they work. Those yeah. who try to destroy them, we 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 prevent them from doing so. You know, yeah. I don't want to say we silence them because we don't want to legally prevent people from speaking their minds, but we we prevent them from creating policies that that prevent us from exercising our values. I think one, one of the things, yeah, I think one of the things we've lost is the inst installation of boundaries and barriers to things that aren't good for us. You know, yeah. we've become very allowing of aberrant behavior and we allow it to the detriment of all of us. And there's, we've got to, there's almost like no consequence for it, you know? Yeah. We're about 30 seconds left. Yeah, we got, we're just about out. But, Dude, thank you so much. It's been great to see you. Enjoy it's your week.